1: Stop me if you've heard this one before. Arsenal versus Barcelona in the round of 16. This is the Arsenal Vision post Podcast. My name is Alex Smith, you me on Twitter, at Yankee Gunner. Yeah, look, I'm not trying to bring back any bad memories during a good season, but it's all it's all teed up, isn't it? It's, it's like someone's decided it in advance. Barcelona do drop down into the Europa League. We can't face them in the round of 32 because we top the group, unlike United! United! <laughs> Sorry, I had something in my throat. And, uh... Yeah, but we can face Barcelona in the round of 16. I have to say, frankly, we owe them one. Like, you know what? If we have to face Barcelona in the round of 16, I can uh, I can live with that. I can live with us maybe just maybe getting one over on them for uh, all the years of pain and suffering. So we shall see what will happen with that. But we do top the group. I wouldn't say we did it in classic fashion. But here's the thing. If you're going to pay to go to the Emirates... Don't you deserve to get the blood pumping? Don't you deserve to get adrenaline rush? Don't you just... No, no, you probably just wanted 7-0. You didn't get 7-0. You got 1-0. It is a win, and uh, we love you for being here. Thank you for coming to hear about it. We're going to talk, obviously, a lot about the Chelsea game at the weekend, as that is a little bit bigger. We might talk a bit about Mohamed Elneny saying there are no more egos in the dressing room. I don't know if the quotes were super pointed, but they might be interesting enough to make it into a podcast. Uh, following a game that nobody's interested in. We shall see. And a man who definitely was not interested in it, as he spent most of the night in the concourse, is Tim. You can find him on Twitter, at Stoberto. Hello, Tim.
2: Hello there. And for the people who are watching on video, um, I've got, like, I look a bit like David Bowie in the Life on Mars video at the moment, because I've got the sun absolutely beating down on my face. Um, So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't have the sun beating down on my face, because we now record the podcast before sunrise, my time. So, super-duper stuff all around. And a man who not just watched the video, but took notes and then wrote little X's and O's on his tactics board. Clive, you can find him on Twitter at PFC. Hello, Clive.
0: Hello, hello. And um, I, this is one yeah. game I haven't really rewatched to any extent yet. But, um, oh, no, you haven't rewatched it. There is still it, time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Get on that. Get on that. You, you can do it during the podcast. I know everybody's doing their own thing when somebody's talking. It's fine. It's all good. We still hear each other a little bit, a little bit. Um, okay, so first things first, Clive, I'm somebody who likes to complain about the same shit over and over and over again. People know that about me by now, and they tolerate it so they can hear what you and Tim have to say. I was a believer that we would be able to make quick work of Zurich, and I felt that we should rotate appropriately for this match with an eye towards Chelsea on Sunday. Just so people know, Zurich we're sitting dead last, rock bottom, of the Swiss Super League with a minus 15 goal difference. And to be fair, though, they have just changed manager. And since doing that, they won their Super League game, uh, Swiss Super League game, and they won uh, their Europa League match against Bode Glimp. So who knows? Maybe it was a case of, you know, we talk about downing tools. When you're dead last and you're negative 15 goal difference, there's definitely a downing tools possibility going on there. There may have been something there. So I don't know. They definitely looked spirited in this game. But I I think the thing that I like is that Mikel trusted his squad. And you have to trust your squad when the chips are down. This is a game they needed to be able to get through, and they just about did. How do you feel about the degree of rotation he he chose for this game? I mean, he couldn't pick Shaka because he was suspended, um, which is fine by me. But he he did give, you know, Kedia and Nelson and Sambi and Elneny, great to see Elneny back, of course, um, and holding. He gave the squad their chance and... I think it's important that he did it, and I think it's great that it, it means that we will go into the Chelsea game at least a little fresher than we otherwise might have.
0: Yeah, I think he's really improved in the rotation. I think he's done it in a collective way, and he's done it by minutes. So you see people get 20 minutes towards the end of a game or half out at the start of a game. So he, hasn't, he only extends one or two players, maybe Gabriel or Saliba on a couple of occasions. Because we are really missing that left-footed centre back, you know, and it does mean a lot to us. Um, I said yesterday, I think I'm not sure if Gabriel played Nijenhoven, but yeah, we, we sort of missed him for me. Um, but yeah, I think he's done it really, really well, and he's also got so fortunate. But we lose Shaka from this game, and we can bring El Nenny in to share the game with Party, which means Party's fresh for Sunday. He gets his 20 minutes, jogging around. Uh, at a crucial time of the game, he needs to settle him down. And it's it's worked out. Okay, we've been unfortunate with Tom Yassi, but Zinchenko's suddenly on the bench. You know what I mean? And Tierney's running up and down like a three-year-old. So we've got a bit of luck. And you get luck when you do the rotation appropriately. We saw what Nelson did at the weekend with Saka. None of us thought that was coming. Next minute, two goals, an assist. Just at the right time when, when Saka was... was hurting a bit gives him a chance to miss a couple of days training have a really light game yesterday and i mean light <laughs> he barely moved and um and now he's ready for sunday right so it's worked out we've just one, maybe unfortunate one with tommy Yasu. but yeah i like what he's done and one thing about him you know we all critique the major because we're all brilliant managers but i think it's a really quick learner you know, really quick learner. I think he didn't get his rotations right in previous years. I think he's really improved in his substitutions, and I, I think it's it's far more – it looks – it feels planned and strategic to me over a period of, of the whole month. And so far, so good with one unfortunate moment in Tomietti.
1: Yeah, that is an unfortunate moment, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Um Tim, it, it – it's hard for me to opine about the early stages of the game because somewhat similar to the stuttering performance that Arsenal produced, Paramount+, Plus, which is a service here that provides the stream, decided to harken back to the days of badly pirated illegal streams <laughs> just, to, just to give you that nostalgic feeling. It was stopping. It was There were color bars all over the screen. There were little pixels popping up. So it was a little difficult. I get the sense that we weren't exactly in full flow, but one of the players that I want to zero in on is... Kieran Tierney. The Kieran Mm. Tierney situation is an interesting one. He didn't start a lot of games when Zinchenko wasn't available. Tomiyasu really became the first choice left back in Zinchenko's absence. He didn't even come on when Tomiyasu came off at the weekend. Cedric did, but he he did then come on after that. In this game, he's obviously the hero. He scores a beautiful goal. The, The technique is brilliant. He hits it beautifully. You can see from his celebration what it means to him. Um, But he he plays the role differently. And I'm wondering as you watch this, did you see a Tierney who I think had been instructed to say, look, this is how you play fullback. Go play fullback the way you play fullback. And, you know, not necessarily Mikel not trying to to push round pegs into square holes. How do you think about the Tierney performance, but also in the context of how we traditionally like to see that left back playing sort of tucked in and more in midfield?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mugs at the ready, I wrote about this this week, uh, about <laughs> why, <laughs> <laughs> why I think Arteta does prefer Tomiyasu. And I think one of the, I think there are a few things like pairings with the left winger and things like that. But I think the main reason is, you know, we talk a lot about those five lanes of attack. I think the, the player that's in the way most, Petini, is Xhaka, because Xhaka's taking up one of those five lanes of attack now and he's doing it mm-hmm. really, really well. And so yeah. there kind of isn't space for an overlapping fullback, because we've got our front four, and then it's Shaka who's the fifth one, and it's not Tierney. And Xhaka's doing it so well that I think Arteta's kind of thinking, Well, I don't really need an overlapping fullback there anymore. And the other kind of advantage of that, and I again I, I wrote about Martinelli a few weeks ago, and I was looking at his touches, and his touches in his own third have dramatically reduced this season. And uh, mm. and I don't think he's got lazy put it that way I think it's because essentially the left back kind of doesn't really overlap anymore is there in midfield and therefore Martinelli doesn't have to track back we're able to keep him nice and high Um it's very I've said it before like I think Saka and Martinelli is look it's it's impossible to resist the Man City kind of comparisons Martinelli Saka to me is Sterling Sane uh, mm-hmm. Jack is gundawan um, to me yeah. in this system so and 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 I think I think it's kind of as simple as that that while Jack is playing and filling up that fifth lane and doing such good things they just there just isn't really a need for an overlapping fullback. so uh, you know that's kind of unfortunate for Tierney and it's really kind of difficult to see how that changes. However, it looks like Tomiyasu's not probably not going to be available for Sunday um and probably beyond that. Um, let's see, what is World Cups uh, like? I, d- I don't think we've had any news on that so far that I've seen anyway. So, you know, Tierney might well get his chance. I, I suspect still that Zinchenko um, might start on Sunday, particularly because Ukraine aren't in the World Cup. So we're not jeopardising that for him if we try and get him through a couple of games and then say, right, you're at six weeks off after that to really sort yourself out. So uh, I think, Basically, for Tierney, yep, he did Tierney things, he scores the winner, great stuff. But once Xhaka's back in that team, I'm not. I'm just not sure I really see a route back in for him unless it's Smith Rowe who's the left winger and then kind of maybe comes out of those lanes of attack and he moves into the build-up and Tierney goes past him. So I, I do think things are kind of tough for Tierney at the moment. It's. I don't think it's because he's playing badly. I think it's a fit. Thing and I, I just I don't see that going away.
1: Yeah, and I, I tend to agree. And the thing is, I think he's a really good player, and so it, it, it is the situation where it, it's such a luxury to have a player of that quality in your squad that can give you a different way to play the position. And at the same time, I just wonder where this goes long term. We don't have to worry about it now, but certainly there is a team that would love to have an overlapping fullback of Tierney's quality. It's just that we're not the team that would love to have that. I mean, not that we don't love having him, but you know, in, in most games. So I'll be curious to, to see how that develops. And Clive, the, the reality is that the Europa League group stage being done means there are a lot of players that we're just not going to see that much now or or may not see that much. This was their chance. This was their showcase. And so as we look back on the group stage, and in particular this game, I'm curious if you think there's a player who stood out for you as saying, I've got a bigger role to play in the first team because we just about got through the group stage. I don't think we were bad per se. I think there were a few performances, this one certainly among them, that was just enough. I think we definitely managed our way through a lot of these games. I'm not sure we managed our way through this one. Towards the end, it did feel pretty nervy. But I'm wondering how you look at the the players. And I think in the group, we could say, There's Holding. There would have been Turner. Turner might be the one, but you don't need a a backup keeper unless your keeper goes down. But we look, there's Holding. I guess there's Tierney, you could say, which is crazy to say. Sambi, Nelson to some extent, Enketia, Marquinhos, Vieira. Anyone stand out for you in the group stages or in this game as as having really just sort of raised their hand and said, I I can be more relevant in in the Premier League in the big games?
0: I think they've all had... Good moments and bad moments, and that that's probably been quite generalistic. But I think it's true. For, you know, Matt Turner didn't convince originally, but got better and better. And really unfortunate to miss yeah. his last two games. I would have seen no problem with him playing. End up being the tighter game, so who knows, right? So Marquino, so I thought, wow, what have you found here? And he's gone sort of back in his shell a little bit. Um hmm. Sambi did fine. A bit underwhelming for many. We saw him in a different positions uh, against um, Zurich. So I don't want to keep making excuses for him, but the opportunity now to rest Shaka's legs is there for him. We've now Nelly back in the room. So now we can really judge him in those roles. I think, you know, for Nelson, I'm in and out. Eddie, I'm in and out. I want to see you. You know, whether it's personal, I don't want to be, I don't want to bring personal biases into things, but I, I want more but they've done their job, and Eddie did to me in the last season, and Nelson saved us on Sunday. So, hey, look, I just want a bit more from them, and I want a bit from more from those squad positions, if I'm honest with you, and how we manipulate the buying and selling and loan market, I think is really important going forward. But the one I think has been the best one, even though some people may not agree, is Vieira, yeah, and I'd expect him to be, because I haven't forgotten Brentford. And you said it last night earlier. I listened to the interaction reaction on, on my little walk this morning. Hmm. When you bring just one player in to the overall group, then you can judge him. And when Vieira played at Brentford, when we didn't have Odegaard, he was excellent. Uh, and that's the game you judge him on. When we move him right wing, left eight, right eight, stroke ten, different people around him it's a bit harder to judge him. I felt in this game yesterday, he was really quite bright in the first period and deserved a goal, unfortunately not, to get one, then faded. So you can see there's something to work on there. And I think if we lost Odegaard, we've got a player that really mirrors him up to a point and will improve. And I think, you know, whilst smith not available, I think his importance is is important. And I do think we have a chance to really work on him over the six-week break. Really working on whether you think he needs to be more physical, dynamic, whether he can work on his, his first touches. I think we have those sort of players really have an opportunity to be with their club for at least four weeks, after a week or so holiday, and really get ready for what's coming up. I think we can really judge him in 2023.
1: Yeah, you know, a, a friend reached out on Discord and made this point, and it's something that I sort of forgot. Vieira missed all of preseason and a lot of the early start of the season. He just did not get that transitional time. And look at how the preseason impacted us. A lot of what we did in preseason really carried into the season. And Vieira is someone who didn't get that time. And so, you know, we've seen him, we've seen the player that's in there in patches, right? But I don't think we've seen as much as we might like. I actually think in the PSV game where he played on the right, he was one of the better performers. Um... He's just been streaky and patchy. And, like, given that he's integrating in a new team with no preseason and really just coming out of what is his preseason essentially with his fitness levels and the limited actual game time he's seen, I think it's fair. I think there are other players that could have stepped forward more in this group stage that didn't. I think Kedia would probably count himself among them. Did he raise his hand and say, you can trust me in the biggest moments? You-? I mean, I don't mean as a sub. I mean a start in, in favor of one of those three in the front line.
0: When was I his think- last goal? Do you know his yeah. last goal? So I shouldn't ask questions you may not have the answer yeah, for. Like Did you do it to me. I don't like it. Was
2: it the Zurich <laughs> game? The, the first Did game against Zurich? Everybody
1: scored in that game, so he must have, surely. I can look it up if you want. No, that, was, that was two. One. I
2: think he scored the winner, and it was two-one away.
1: We didn't theory. pound. Derek yes, away. from
0: Marquinhos cross, wasn't it, Tim? From Marquinhos yeah, deep yeah, cross, yeah. back post header, right? Away. I can't remember. You, I think you're he right
2: at home to Bodo
1: But yeah, well, let's put it this way: he he could use a goal in a big spot. Absolutely. Is I think the message here? <laughs> I'm not. You know what? I'm not going to bother googling it. It's 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 Friday. Um, yeah, and so I, I think Sambi and Incadio would be the two that I would point to. That I would say these are players that we need, given. The role, and I thought Mikel had an interesting comment on Sammy, uh, Tim. You know, he was asked how he did, and, you know, he kind of had fainted towards, yeah, he did well, like everybody. <laughs> and then he said, um, you know, he's playing a bit further forward. When we bought him, we had different ideas. But he's shown us he can be effective further forward, so we're trying him there. I thought that was an interesting comment, because you can say someone's effective in a more advanced area. But when you say we bought him with the other thing in mind, it tells you a little bit about where he is, right? Because if you bought a guy to be the party heir apparent and he's not turning into that, then you got to go find another guy to be that, which means now Samby's trying to prove he deserves some other role that we didn't have in mind from, you know what I'm saying? It's like, if you buy a guy to be a striker, it turns out he's not going to be a striker. Maybe he can earn a spot at another place, but it's not what you bought him for. and, and, And now you're in the wilderness of can, can I prove my point somewhere else? It's not to say that Samby won't make it at Arsenal, but I thought that was an interesting comment as just a little window into what we suspected, which is we had other ideas for where this player was going to be and maybe we're moving away from them. Did you see anything in his performance or read into those comments in a a way that suggests that I'm maybe seeing this the right way or maybe i'm just doing what i usually do which is jumping to
2: conclusions i I think the comments uh uh are more interesting than the performance um for the reasons (laughs) that you set out (laughs) um so one of i think one of the things i've learned from these games is that uh, unfortunately for a podcast that analyzes every game they defy analysis um Mm. essentially like player analysis, performance analysis. What we're trying to do in the Europa League group stage is get through with the bare minimum effort. That's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to rest players. We're trying to protect players. If we went out and played our first team in every single game, we'd get 18 points every single time, pretty much, like no doubt in my mind. But we obviously don't do that and rightly we don't do that and we know there's a trade-off that we probably won't get 18 points but what we're trying to do is we're just trying to do enough because we're strong enough that we're in a position to do that in the Europa League group stage and so that does have an impact on the B players who come in for the reasons we've talked about it's very very difficult look at Fabio Vieira at Brentford brilliant look at him in these games so-so right and Mm -hmm. and that's why I think it's also a little bit I don't know if unfair is the right word, but with someone like Enketia, look, we saw what Nketiah did in the first team at the end of last season. This is very different. He's playing wide quite a lot of the time. Um, we started Gabriel Jesus in this game, so he's playing wide again. And he's playing wide in the B team. He's playing wide with Fabio Vieira behind him and Sambi Lekonga. Like It's not the same. It's just not. And also, these games, they lack intensity. They're basically friendlies. Um, In terms of their intensity and in terms of their meaning, because let's have it right. Group stage football is dreadful, is absolutely dreadful without exception. International tournaments, Champions League, Europa League, dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. It is not about football. That is not why we have group stages. We have group stages for TV money and that alone. And it has 0% sporting value. It's just a financial thing. So these games are rubbish, right? <laughs> they just are. I don't think they're even that useful for the players that play in mm. them. Maybe like yeah. as a bit of a training session to keep them ticking over. But, I, I, you know, you don't have to answer this, but like those listening and everything, what do you remember? Well, we've been in the group stage of the Europa League five times now. What do you remember from any of it? fuck all absolutely fuck all because (laughs) it's because it's rubbish and how much do you remember from the home games in particular i remember some of the away trips because i was on them yeah but like when i was thinking what what jumps out at me the only home game that jumped out in my mind from that five years we played red star belgrade and it was nil nil and it jumped out because it's the worst game i've ever seen in my life (laughs) so that's what we're dealing with here right these are rubbish minutes for these players what we're doing this isn't and this is where my thinking has changed. This is not so much about giving Sambi and Viera Vieira minutes, although that that's a secondary benefit. It's about not giving those minutes to the play, to players like Sako, Jesus, and 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 Erdegard and Martinelli. That's what it's about. It's about protecting players. So I I honestly like with Sambi, I feel like I don't think it's going to work for Sambi at Arsenal. I just don't. He's had a use for us because he's a warm body we've been able to use in games that we don't really care about and that, and that sounds harsh and it is a bit harsh and that's not really his fault but he's still been a useful signing but i th- i think he'll go in the summer and that's fine essentially so i you know i i kind of i don't feel right assessing his performance in this game or any of these games because they're they're shit and they're kind of almost worthless yeah. but um, yeah for Sambi, I don't think it's going to happen and, and I make that judgment more on what's happened with his Premier League minutes than his Europa League minutes the other players like Vieira and Ketia, I'm I'm not as worried about because I've seen what those guys do when they're surrounded by the A team and, and I think it's much better than what you see here
1: yeah and I I think that's totally fair I I I don't there's there's just not much to this really to get stuck into I I do think it is a case of just getting through it and doing the job by the way Clive one thing I will say about this game is they came into it pretty fired up you could tell that I I can almost hear what the team talk was in the Zurich dressing room which is they're not playing their starters they don't think anything of you they they need to win this game to top the group and they think it's going to be easy you can you still have a European um, campaign to protect here. Go out there and show them they've been in a game. I want them to leave this game knowing they've been in a game. They've got one eye on their game at the weekend. They're looking past you. And they came out and they played like that. They were they were rough. They were physical. At one point, um, Tierney literally had his shirt torn off of him. And the referee let it go. I mean, he was just letting them get away with a lot of physicality. And so, you know, I do wonder if you think also to some extent you have the, the con- contrasting approaches of Arsenal trying to manage their way through a game that they expect to be easy and just need to get through and the other team wanting to turn it into a battle and and how that impacted the style of the game because I really think you have you know an Arsenal in second gear managing the game and a Zurich that felt like if we're not going to win this game we're going to take prisoners you know what I mean that that was kind of the dynamic I felt was going on
0: yeah maybe I think um when Zurich turn up and they did a warm-up and they got 4,000 fans in the corner going absolutely mental, you yeah, they be were, motivated, yep. right? And yeah. um, that's yep. what it looked like to me. And sometimes when you turn, as an away team, when you turn up and you see your away fans there, ready to go, you, you just you just turn it on. You know, you just sometimes, as Tim knows, when you go away, you get a feeling in the ground sometimes when the fans are there. You think, Yo, we're not, we're not losing today. <laughs> there is no chance. You just get a feeling... And, and that's why people travel away because they, they want to help support a team and they feel as though they can add value to it. And So fair play to them and their crowd. They, they weren't the team we thought they are going to be. But um, I, I do think what Tim alluded to earlier on what was a really, really salient point, And it, it's something I've been thinking about a little bit. But the, particularly around Sambi, actually, maybe we're looking at him and critiquing him, but maybe he's a hero. He's a hero because then he went down and he's played a lot of minutes, and he's allowed party to be available in the big moment, so we can beat Liverpool, we can beat, you know, we can beat Spurs, we can, we can go away to Brentford. And I think if we look at players in that way, maybe we should say, look, you're actually playing a heroic role for us because our world-class players who had injuries are here when it really counts, and we've literally got Smith Rowe, who's had an injury really for a year or so, finally hoping it, getting fixed. And Tommy has to a grade one hamstring at worst, right? So mm. these guys have played their role. Whether I whether I think they're going to take us to the promised land or win the Champions League, it's, it's almost irrelevant, you know. So we're a squad, and I know you're going to touch on on his comments later. I suppose we're a squad. And this time last year, January, we were arguing about certain people leaving the dressing room, and we discussed the culture versus results, etc. But all those players who I, even like Rob Holding, who sometimes you, you wince when certain things go on, but they're part of the dressing room, right? And they're part of that connection that we all feel. And um, so it's a challenge. I think it's a real challenge to analyse somebody fairly when you genuinely like them <laughs> as people and versus what we want to see. And I think what, how we develop the next player in the squad is always interesting. But I do think it's really interesting now because... We're going upward, and some of these can't come on the journey. It's going to be interesting to see what we actually end up doing.
1: Yeah. So, Tim, the the group is done. We are top. Manchester United are not, and I think we should emphasize that, and I think we should point out that Manchester United, as a result, will not only have to play one of the teams that parachutes down from the Champions League, which I still think is a nonsense that that happens, but set that aside – They have an extra couple of games and they have it at a time where they would have had to play makeup games that now can't be scheduled. So it is really, I mean, just to give you a sense of the problem, this has created a fixture nightmare for United that we have avoided. So whatever frustration you're feeling, just focus on the fact that we get that couple of weeks off during the round of 32. We don't face that Champions League team then. We can make up fixtures during that time to the extent that that becomes necessary. This This is something we had to do and we did it. And, you know, I couldn't be happier that we did. Um, I guess there's one other player maybe that we could touch on. I don't want to pick on players too much. I think it's like we all know where the squad's going and where the squad's been. But I think in Rob Holding, we sort of see that styles make the player sometimes. And you know we loved him when it was three five two shut it down you know like three two five whatever you know whatever um, last season and and he was the closer he likes to defend I think maybe we have built up too much that quality but he he certainly likes that part of the game when we're more front footed and when we have more control I think you start to see some of the cracks you know we some some of the things that aren't in his game um, you know because you mentioned by the way you know Martinelli having fewer touches in his half. And I definitely think that's because he can play further forward. I also think it's because the whole fricking team is out of their own half. Right. And because we're not in our own half anymore, there are some central defenders that like that. And there are some that don't. And I think we're maybe just maybe seeing time being called on an arsenal player who, you know, it's been nice to have him. He's been, he's a great guy. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying he's, he's not a great player, I do think stylistically, we, we continue to see when he comes on that it's it's not quite a fit. I'm not asking him to be Saliba because that's not easy, but I I think that there's a a a bit of a disconnect in terms of his skill set and the way we want to play with our center backs.
2: Yeah, definitely. He's he's another one whose whose time is coming. I think he was he was one of those I've talked about this before. That kind of category of player. There are some you just get rid of straight away. There are some you keep around and say, well, oh, you're a decent person to have around. You're a decent person to have in the squad. You're not going to hold us back, um, and those last a couple of years before you say, "All right, thanks. We need to move on here. We've done like the big ticket stuff. We've got the striker, mm-hmm. we've got Saliba. You know, we got Ben White. We got the goalkeeper. We've come. We've come to the point where it's your turn now. And but the thing is, like, none of this is a massive drama. Like again, Rob Holding. He's, he's done a job in this Europa League group stage because he's allowed us to rest at least one of the centre halves. We'd like to be able to rest two, but we've been able to you know rotate those minutes around a little bit. But the the thing that that's kind of striking me in this conversation, I, I think there are three players potentially who are, who could be up for sale next summer that we've talked about holding uh, Sambi and Tierney. We'll get paid for those guys. If if they go on the market in the summer, like Sam is young, we'll we'll get our money back and some, I think. Uh, yeah, Clive just said in the chat, Nuno as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We'll get paid for him um, if we decide to sell Tierney. We'll get paid for him. Like really, Cedric is the only one left in the squad who, you know, we're sitting there looking at his contract like an egg timer and going, "Fucking hell, it's 2024. Like, what were we thinking?" And maybe we're trying to expedite the situation by saying, you're not even getting Europa League minutes anymore, pal. Um, but I you know, I don't think that's going to force him out. But anyway, that that's really the only player in the squad you look at and go, oh. whereas the others, it's like it's not a problem. They've done a job. Maybe some of them haven't developed like we wanted them to develop, but they're on good contract. They've got years on their contract. They're at good ages. We'll get paid for those players. and And that's good. That's like, you know, Tierney might be that smart sale, you know, um, that that brings in some cash so we can buy, like, I don't know, the party replacement long-term or something like that. So, it, like, it's all good. You'll get this is just natural churn, and it happens not just in sport, in every workplace. Like, there's just natural churn when people move on, and that's actually quite a healthy situation. There aren't There aren't many sitters or squatters anymore, you know. There's guys who we were happy to have – on the journey to a particular point, I don't think any of them will kick up a big fuss or dig their heels in. If we say to Rob Holding, look, he's going to be like, what, 27, 28. Look, you know, some Everton are coming in for you. Palace are coming in for you. Southampton are coming in for you. You can play every week. I think he'll probably say, okay, that's fine. And I'll get a Premier League club. So I'll still get like the salary that I want. That Mm. might happen to Samby as well. I I don't know. He might go abroad, but you know, the money's in the Premier League, and and that's, that's all fine, like, that's all fine, we've moved past the stage now, I think, where we're looking at players going, God, how do we get rid of this, like, there's no ball, that, well, again, apart from Cedric, maybe, there, there aren't ball and chain players anymore, and hopefully, yeah. if I'm absolutely honest, Rob Holding, only seeing the Carabao Cup and the early rounds of the FA Cup, we might be in a bit of trouble if we have to play him long-term in the Premier League, we might have to change the way we play, but yeah, he's he's not he's not a problem. Put it that way.
1: Yeah, Clive.
0: No, I so sort of, I agree with that. I think um, for me, um, it's just it's just renewal. It's just it's just evolution. It's just squad evolution, and we had to overspend on certain players to create this base. So everyone's looking at us saying, oh, look at Arsenal! They spent so heavily in the last few years. We only had to spend heavily because we have to pay people to leave." I and mean, we get rid of them. We had no leverage in the marketplace. Everyone knew we had to replace the squad. So we had to overpay for people. But we've got for the right people in in the main. And where ones and twos haven't settled, and I think Nuno hasn't really settled, and the team, much like Tierney, the team style has developed away from him slightly. And he's not been able to, at this point, been able to adapt. Now I've been watching a few videos of him away and he's flying up and down the line. He's not doing the inverted thing. So that's that's not going to change. And plus, he's not very, he maybe wasn't very happy with us. So no drama. Go to another country, you know, and, and make your career. The thing is, we just got, we stopped giving stopped giving these people away. You know, come to Arsenal, we'll make your money, have a lovely time in London. Then we'll give you away for free so you can negotiate your next deal and get paid even more money. The charity days are over, right? We we now have mm-hmm. a team that's developing and hopefully we have some squad value in there. And I think that's been the big thing about the project, increasing the squad value.
1: I, I think that's an important point you've touched on, Clyde, because I think that's the next thing we have to show, right? Like there, there, I don't like to use the word mistakes. There were things along the way we did that I think were questionable. Like we kept Ainsley, Maitland, Niles in the face of some really good offers and ultimately lost the, the value of the player there. Now I realized at the time, the squad was so badly broken that we were just trying to hold on to anything usable we felt we had because we we didn't really have much. We were trying to plug the holes in the ship, and we we weren't necessarily ready to start sending players off. And to be fair, maybe Arteta still hadn't arrived at conclusions about players yet. You know, he was still learning them. But now, I mean, if we know, and I'm not saying we do, but if we know Samby's not the guy, or if we know, and I think at this point we probably know, Holding's not the guy, now we need to show that we can get, extract value from these players. You know, Liverpool, when they were good, because they were good, and you always pointed this out, Clive, when you're good, those players that only play a little bit for you or aren't even playing for you, they they rise in the estimation of other teams and other coaches and other managers, right? We need to show that the halo effect of us being good is that we have more value in our squad That's and safe. that we can move these players on. So let's see that we do that. I'll ask you guys both this just quickly. Did you find your... Because I didn't care about this game at all, but I was kind of shitting it at the end. <laughs> I was getting there, at Clive. I mean, like, did you... Were you biting fingernails? Were you, were you getting the nervousness at the end of the game? There, we we made this a little bit dodgy at the end.
0: Yeah, I was, and uh, we did the instant reaction yesterday, and I sort of said, oh, "I hope I didn't sound too grumpy on there because we come top of the group. Manchester United didn't, and, and I need to be a bit more, a bit happier about it. But I was a bit upset that they made me nervous." Well, yeah, I haven't I got like too it, many. They made me nervous. <laughs> I can't be giving away too many years of my life for free, right? This is very important mm-hmm. moments in my life. And ah, stop doing this to me. This is all about the second goal. Let's be honest, lads. Let's be honest. This scenario's even the fact we love Rob Holding towards the end of last season, it's all about the second goal. We need to get the second goal a lot more. In this game, that was a two-nil first half that turned into a one-nil. And at 1-0, things can change very, very quickly on a corner, on a set piece. We've got to focus on the second goal as a group a lot more. Because when we do, we murder people. But we've got to focus on it. You know, unfortunately, yesterday with Vieira's shots hitting jay on the backside, and jay zs chance, and mm-hmm. and Vieira had another one that he should have put high, put low. This is the stuff we need to deal with. And I don't know what our big chance ratio is like. And I heard in the podcast this morning, just briefly, that if we keep scoring at our current rate, we're going to get over 90 goals. I never thought that would happen. and I'm not sure it's going to happen, but we need to focus on that second goal so we can enjoy this journey a little bit more. There's too many one nillers, mate, for me, and I'm, I can't deal with it. I can't deal with it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like Tim, I, Tim. <laughs> I, I completely agree with that. And, and I think that's one of the things that's bitten us on the bum a little bit during October. Like Leeds, we don't get that second goal. Southampton, we don't get that second goal. Forest... Forest is one of those games that either finishes 1 0 or 5-0. <laughs> but we got the second goal, so it was 5-0. And uh, and actually, just to 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 give myself some credit, this was the game I thought Forest would be. <laughs> I thought yeah, I was thinking switch round <laughs> Forest and Zurich. I was thinking Nervy no one nil v Forest and then beat Zurich 5-0 was honestly what I was thinking.
1: <laughs> Keep getting it backwards. And it was
2: the other <laughs> way around. But yeah, Clive's exactly right. I I think if we go 2-0 up in this game, we win four five nil. But while it's not, and then when it gets to the last fifteen twenty minutes, you know the kind of nervous energy comes into it a little bit. And you saw we brought on the big guns, we brought on players who you'd expect to control the game, like Urdaard, like Party, like Saka, and it didn't happen because the the emotion of the game was was very very different at that stage. And and I think you could see everyone was thinking. Ah shit, we don't want those games in February. And uh, and I mean, the thing is now, we are going to have games in February, probably on those midweeks, but there'll be Everton and Man City in the Premier League. And we won't be looking at how and where we squeeze those in. Because you look at United, Dale Johnson from ESPN tweeted about it today. He's like, there's no room there's absolutely no room as it stands in the schedule for United's two games because all of their midweeks are potentially taken. And that's the situation we'd have been in as well. But now we can fit those games into February. So it's it's still going to be quite an intense February. We don't get the weeks off, but mm-hmm. we're not looking at playing like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in May. <laughs> I mean-
1: to yeah, they're gonna, have, so, they're gonna bring double headers if, if you're familiar with baseball, they're gonna bring double headers into football. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah absolutely. And <laughs> and and also like you know, it's it's not just about the games themselves. Those playoff games, they're difficult. You've just got to look at the teams in them, they're difficult. That they're, they're not yeah. games that we're gonna be able to play like Rob Holding and Samby Laconga in um if we were in them. So I it, it is a massive relief. And Clive's right, I think 2-0 two, 2-0 two nil, two nil Arsenal quickly becomes five four five nil arsenal but clive's right we've we've got to get that second goal like we did against forest and we saw what happened
1: yeah well said all right well we got to get to chelsea we got to talk about that and i think we'll spend the rest of our time looking forward to that because we got another point to prove but tim i think it's fair to say arsenal is a lifestyle you would agree with that right oh yes you know what else is a lifestyle the shmoo, that's right. We shmoo, do you. That's the question the shmoo is asking. And right now you can go to the shmoo.com and get one month free of a relationship with you or relationship with others when you sign up today. That's the shmoo, S-H-M-E-W, the shmoo, S-H-M-E-W.com. Not to be confused, of course, with the shmoo, S-C-H-M-O-O. So you want to go to the shmoo, S, now I got to get it right. The, the shmoo, S-H-M-E-W. Okay, we shmoo do you. Is the shmoo right for you? You're vibrant, vivacious, and occasionally participate in antisocial behavior. You like fresh air and spending time with people you care about. Maybe you wake up in strange places without memory of the previous evening. The shmoo is a lifestyle brand that understands your needs. And it's time to learn more. We knew there was more. And like many of you, we felt let down by the shmoo. One day we had a realization we wanted to share with everyone due to the relationship with our parent company. The shmoo is not available in Croatia, and we are sorry about that. What are people saying? Well, Alan M says, I knew I had to make a change, and this was one. Sarah R said, I didn't know anything about the shmoo until I heard about it. And Rebecca S says, they asked me if I shmoo. I didn't at the time, but now I do. We shmoo do you. That's the question. There's more to know, and we want you to know that. Go to theshmoo.com, S-H-M-E-W, theshmoo, S-H-M-E-W.com. And remember, every time you sign up, free bottle of Drakkar Noir with every purchase. The Shmoo is part of the Black River Conglomerate Industries family of companies and not available in Croatia. TheShmoo.com. Do it now. Clive, is that enough of that?
0: Oh, very much so, indeed.
1: Have you shmooed?
0: Please don't do this to me. I live a very shallow life. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's just football work family. I don't do anything else.
1: You know, you just need to find out if the Shmoo is right for you. Okay, Um, enough of that. Clive, it's, it's Chelsea on Sunday, and we have another point to prove. Another point mm-hmm. to prove, not that we can beat a, a good team, and I will discuss how good Chelsea is, but that we can go away and do it. I'm so mad we didn't get the result. I think our performance warranted at United. And, of course, we're going to look back on the Let It Flow initiative, not really playing out with the uh, Martinelli goal at Old Trafford, because um, I do want to just make this point since I'm mad about it. They let it flow. Unless a goal is scored. If a goal is scored, they var it and they bring it back. Don't make a whole lot of sense to me, friends, but that's how it works. But I'm not mad about it. Now we go to Stamford Bridge against a Chelsea team that just got smoked by Brighton. Grandpa Potter still trying to figure out what he wants his Chelsea to be. He's been mixing and matching with lineups, with formations. I don't think he really knows yet what he wants to do with this group. And I think we're facing them at a reasonable time to try to extract... That you know that win we need from the confusion that they're experiencing, but we have not, we have not yet put on our resume a big away win, to the extent that you know you don't count something like Palace, for example, a big away win. We did it to Spurs at home. We did it to Liverpool at home. This is another point to prove. How important is it for us to go? I mean, it's such a dumb setup. Like it's important to win every game, but how do you think about this in terms of us showing we can do it away? Especially given that our last two away performances, I think had a, had a little bit of concern creeping in.
0: Yeah, I think the the players' minds are, have been on this game. Uh, you know the way Saka played last night, and the fact we sat Martinelli for the whole game, I think was significant. I think if you look at Chelsea, you look at that space in that right hand side of their defence, mate. We're going in there. We're going in there big time. And so, I, I really think we've targeted this game. We're gonna have a fresh Saka. We got party barely done anything yesterday. Okay, we've potentially got a decision to make at left back, but we have a very good one to put in there. And we've got also Zinchenko to end the game. Some people may say Zinchenko will start. I think it's a very big first game to come back into, personally, but having the extra wish he was fit, mind, because having the extra player in case they kinda of gather her party again would be nice in central areas. But I just think they've got too many people not quite at it um to to stop us, right? So they're relying on Trevor Chalabar, Asper Lekweta, Thiago Silva. You know, I'm not sure if Kulabari is going to be there or not. Is he going to be Kukurela? Wide wing back because Chilwell's out. James is out. Jorginho, he's not getting any younger. Um, What are they going to do centre midfield? They could put Conor Gallagher in there. He's good off the ball, but not so good on the ball. We can put pressure in that space. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. They've also got the front three if they want to go Sterling, Mount and um, Abamyang, We're used to those players. They're not new to us. And I think, we, I think we have the ability to control those spaces, control those areas. I'm hopeful. I am concerned about the early kickoff, but we seem to do well in early kickoffs. I don't like the gap, but I also feel we go there. With less inferiority complex than we do when we go to City United in particular, when we go to those grounds or Liverpool, I feel it weighs on us a little bit more. But when we go to Chelsea, I just feel we go there with a level of confidence. I think we have won the last two, and I it don't didn't think... used to be that
1: way. That's a nice change, let me tell you, because that used to be a house of horrors for us for a while.
0: Yeah, but I think because it's Chelsea and because we know how they've they've grown, Arsenal mm-hmm. fans. Have, they don't have it with them. They accept it from City that they've got their, their mm-hmm. oil rich. They accept that Manchester United are the biggest club in the world by fan base, wherever it is. And and Liverpool, a Liverpool, no one goes in Tranfield and win. I mean Van Dyke lost his first game just just the other week, right? So so there's a level of acceptance that they're the, they're they're like the firepower, but we're not having Chelsea. We're not having that. And we're not having spurts. And and Tim knows what I mean when I say this. When we go to those grounds, we're not having it. And so I I think we're going to be fine. There isn't that same level of fear. We don't play the badge. We play the team. And I think we're going to really go in there with a point to prove. And Elliot, mate, the team talk's been done for us, is not it, with Young's little advert. So, hey, let's see what happens.
1: Yeah, Tim, how do you think <clears throat> that plays into the narrative here? I, I'm curious if you think... Yang will start. I mean, who the, who the hell knows? But I, this is one of those things where fans and players, I think, are slightly different. And it, it gets into the comments that El um, Elneny made. He just came out with some comments saying, when that happened to Aubameyang, it sent a message to the rest of us. If it can happen to Yang, it can happen to all of us. There can't be any egos in the dressing room. It showed us all that we have to be together, and now everybody in the dressing room is together. I tend to think that sometimes fans misunderstand players I'm pretty sure all those players still like Yang. They seem to like Aubameyang in the yep. All or Nothing series. I don't think they have a grudge against him. So I don't know that I think they will want to get one over on him. I do think Yang would probably like to get one over on Mikel. And as a result of that and that motivation, it wouldn't surprise me if he starts. But I don't know if it would bother me if he starts only because I, you know, it's not that he can't score goals. It's what he does. You got to get into the box to get him a goal. And mm. teams haven't been doing that against us. How do you think about the the Aubameyang factor in this game? And, and do you expect him to start? Because I think I do.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think Chelsea would be silly not to. Chelsea just went to Brighton last weekend. And one of the reasons they got spanked was because Brighton were bang up for it in front of Graham Potter. And the fans mm-hmm. were bang up for it. They like they wanted to prove a point, not just about Graham Potter, but Potter took like the whole backroom staff with him as well and some Brighton fans. So I think quite understandably quite upset about that. And they really wanted to get one over on him. And we saw like look at how they started that game. They had they had the fire lit under their arse. And and like you say, I, I don't I don't think that there'll be um you know, that Arsenal will, will want to show Aubameyang. I think Aubameyang will want to show Arsenal, or more specifically Arteta. I really do. And, you know, we've been here before with Van Persie, with Adebayor. I've never been sure of anything, I think, since we went to Old Trafford the first time Van Persie played against us. And it was just like, let's just get this over with <laughs> let's just get it out of the way and add a buy at city as well like, let's just get this out of the way shall we um and I do kind of you know that's maybe that's just the fatalist in me because I think you're right I don't think Aubameyang has pulled up any trees at Chelsea and I actually think for us I'm sure that there was like a a kind of you know if this can happen to the captain, and you know it sent a message and discipline and blah blah blah. Honestly, I think more simply than that, it just removed a bit of a tactical problem for us in that we yeah. never figured out how to use a Bamiyang. We never figured it out. We know like on the wing wasn't quite perfect. Him up front wasn't quite perfect because you really have to get in the box. He doesn't give you a lot outside the box, and and I think honestly it just removed look it kind of gave us another one short term because then we were playing with Lacazette and to be honest I don't think that was a lot of fun for 6 months but, but functional like
1: at best yeah
2: yeah like we've we've got the guy now like th- i think there are no regrets on arsenal's side um about this with with how we've ended up um and so like more than that like i think it was just it was a tactical issue we had two strikers I think Aubameyang a lot better than Lacazette, and and I felt was a superior option. Um, however, we had two strikers that we we just couldn't quite make them work, despite their qualities. And and honestly, I just think it just took that issue away um, fairly neatly. And and I think that more than the, you know, the quote unquote attitude thing is 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 the important thing here. But undoubtedly, I think it will it will probably light a fire under Aubameyang's ass, and I think we have to be prepared for that. yeah well the player
1: yeah please mm
0: -hmm. sorry mate just to you may be be about to say the same thing because Tim always said I'll give him a shout out here he always said that he couldn't see how Aubameyang and Marcelli could really coexist together and I thought you know we were developing a player but but it wasn't really a massive issue at the time but you know what he's got half a point there I was watching All or Nothing yesterday just doing some research and homework and the amount of times that Martinelli wasn't playing because we were trying to work the Yang stuff out, it mm-hmm. just makes you laugh, you know and it, 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 to think that he, he wasn't playing as much you know I wonder how many games he played last season to think he wasn't playing for a, a long period because we were putting our hair out over a just feels ridiculous mm-hmm. now. You know, it really does. Yeah. And yeah. so the Bamiyang went. Suddenly, Martinelli exploded into the team. And now we can't imagine a team without him, right? And that's how development happens really, really quick if the pathway is cleared.
1: Yeah. So then, Clive, I mean, if there's another player who would like to prove a point then, it's the guy who replaced Yang, and that's Jesus. I think if you asked him in a quiet moment over five or six glasses of bourbon, which is the appropriate number, obviously, uh, Mikel Arteta would say he wished... that jesus had scored against zurich i think he would have loved that the one that goes off the guy's back i think is the one i think that's going in just get the monkey off his back and like it i think it would just get it out of his mind mikhail said all the right things obviously after the match he's doing all the right things the goals are going to come i said on the instant reaction that i think jesus is going to score a hat trick against chelsea and i stand by it the guy is doing all the right things in all the right places and i do think finishing is a skill but I don't think he's bad at it. I just don't think he's elite at it. And everything's going wrong for him. The one that he just can't get his foot on at the post last week. The one that the defender comes back and and gets to him in the 1v1. Was that against Southampton? Where he's he's through and the defender gets back. There's a number of them yeah, against yeah. Forrest. We're just a little too close to the keeper. That, I mean, he's he's in all the right places. He could have had six goals in the last two games. I think it's all going to come down like an avalanche on Chelsea and I can't wait for it. But I'm curious how you think about Jesus going into this game on the back of this you know goal scoring drought if you want to call it that. I think his play is as good as ever. I'm not concerned about it, but he could use a goal and this would be a beautiful time for him to uh to to get that that little dry spell over with.
0: Yeah, I want us I want us to dominate the midfield and I think because I, we, Tim was talking earlier about us being like Man City, sometimes I see us more like Liverpool, but Only in certain phases. I think we're a combination of both, if if you know what I mean. Because I think Jesus plays like a diamond center forward. And so we almost play like an interior diamond on occasions. But Shaka's breaking that diamond up by running through and Odegaard's dropping in. So we're not a stick-on, non-flexible diamond, but I think Jesus is that central point. And I would like to see him be a bit more... Shoulders facing the right way on the half turn, and maybe letting people work in midfield and do their job to allow him to be the striker he wants him to be. But he's still getting the chances. His secondary movement is excellent. I don't worry. I'm with, I'm with you, Elliot. I think some of the chances, the one that hit the goalkeeper's back yesterday, you're taught to hit the ball down primarily. And if you hit the ball down, then if he goes up, you're dead fine. But he sort of hit the ball. To middle of the goal, which is goalkeeper high. Goalkeeper's, he's gone to get a hot dog, right? And he and he still hit his back. It's just unlucky. <laughs> um, yeah, it will come. The flashing volleys he's had, it will come. It it will come. And much like we were fortunate when we had Saka's little knock, that Nelson came in and did the job. We lost the one game in a month. We could have lost it. Didn't cost us anything, apart from maybe Tommy Yassi's hamstring. Maybe you know, it didn't cost us anything losing at PSV. Jesus missed chances, maybe he cost us a bit at Southampton, maybe, that's a big maybe. But if he scores against Chelsea, and all sins are forgiven. You know, when you look at the month of October what we had, all sins are forgiven. And while he ha- he had a couple of underpowered games post to Liverpool knock, and I think that knock could maybe bigger than we realised, but now he's got his power and zip back, and I don't worry about him. He'll be ready to go on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I I absolutely think he'll be ready to go Sunday. Tim, It's I think it's the the thing that we now obviously have to prove that we can go away and, and still be dominant Arsenal. Um, I didn't really have concerns about that, but I think the Leeds game and, and certainly Southampton game as well led to some concerns. But the one thing we have done, even in those games, we've started really fast. And... This is a game that I think we want to start fast again. Now, the interesting thing about Potter is where this has looked like a Potter team so far is in possession. They do keep the ball a lot. And where it hasn't looked like a Potter team so much is defensively. They are allowing teams to get chances in conceding a bit. And I think about the Liverpool game. Because the Liverpool game was really the first time we were going to come up against a team that wants the ball too. Right, that hold that keeps the ball, but at, at the expense of their defense. That was a wild game, but it gave us a lot of chances. Potter games are, you know, I think of them as being about control. But I do wonder if you think this could actually be kind of a sneaky score fest, or at least an open game in the sense that the one other game this season where we've come up against a team that really wants the ball and really wants to dominate possession. It was very back and forth, and it was similar. Right, a Liverpool team that can keep the ball, that can create chances, but does have uh, the ability to get exposed defensively. I think Chelsea are similar but with less threat. So if the Liverpool game is any indication, maybe this could be you know, kind of a a fun ding-dong back-and-forth kind of affair.
2: Yeah, I I suspect it might be, actually. And both teams um, played European games this week, albeit they played theirs earlier. I I think there's a few reasons that it's... uh, I I mean, obviously, you always want to start a game well, but I think there's a few reasons here we really want to do it. First of all, because I think Chelsea... I'm sure a big part of their team talk will be they played on Thursday night most of their starters had some you know time in the game and even if they're not knackered that affects preparation time like that that's there is a good chance that that affects how you start a game mm. I think also again what Brighton showed against Chelsea Brighton won that game in the first half an hour um and and I think it's really important to do that particularly against the Graham Potter team because he will change formations. He will tweak things. Like he's he's a real in-game coach, and I think if we have them on the rack in the first twenty minutes and we don't take advantage, I'd, I'd back him to change formation, make some kind of like he he took did he take Cucure, uh, Cucurella off um, against United in mm. the first like half an hour or so because United yep. were on top went to he back went, forward right? Yeah,
0: okay.
2: yeah, yeah. I see where this is going and stem the bleed right there so Potter will do that he'll hook players after half an hour he'll change the formation so it's not just about starting well it's about capitalising on it against Brighton Brighton made that irrelevant because they went and scored three goals in the first half and won the game then and 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 yeah so I, I'd like to see us try and do the same sort of thing uh, at the risk of stating the obvious but I, I'm with you Elliot I think this could be another Liverpool game I think this could be a 2-2 a 3-2 either way um, I, I see it being quite an open game because Chelsea, I think their ambition under Potter is to have that kind of control. But they, they haven't got Potter players yet, and that will take a couple of transfer windows to do. And until then, I can see them being a little bit a little bit up and down, maybe a bit like us under Emery. Um, you know, one game good, one game bad type thing.
1: Yeah, well there's there's definitely one big decision for Ted and make, as far as I can tell, Clive, and that's just what to do at left back. Tomiyasu not going to be available. Tierney has not been the guy he's wanted to go to to play the kind of football we want to play. At least that's my, that's my belief based on the fact that you would think Tierney would be the immediate backup when Zinchenko's not in there. Tomiyasu came in to stop Salah and has kept the place ever since. And Zinchenko's available. He was warming up to come on before the Tomiyasu injury, then didn't come on which suggests to me that he's like I need one of these guys for Sunday so I'm not even going to risk Zinchenko. But I know in the instant reaction in some other places people have said they think it's too soon for Zinchenko. My opinion is Zinchenko will start. I don't think you agree. Talk me through how you think we play uh left back <coughs> at left back.
0: Well, I, I don't agree not because I don't think if if everyone was fit and healthy and had no, a, a games. Yeah, just just yeah. just pure readiness. Um but Tierney empties the tank, mate. He emptied the tank last night. He's the one player that says, I don't care, I'm giving it everything. I want to play. So if I'm the manager, I have to reward that. I have to. Unless this You can't say to him, look, mate, you're not going to play against Liverpool because tactically I want to see something different, particularly on defensive transitions or lefty versus the righty at left back. And then you go out there and you get a man of match performance on the European night. You help the team qualify top of the group you rinse yourself completely, you set up chances, you score the goal. I'll tell you what, mate, I'm not going to play you now because this guy's back. If that happens, I'd have the ump if I'm Kieran Tierney, I really would because the culture in the dressing room is if you, you play well, you know, Eddie, Reese, train well. You see where I'm going? You get a chance to play, right? And um, and people have to move. Look at Sleba's come in. Ben White's had to move position to get into his team. You know, there's no debate. And, and so I think you have to reward the performance. And whether he lasts again—that's a different question, because he's somebody that I'm not sure can do these games in, in close close proximity. You know, based on the effort he put in. So I think we'll be fine. I also think sometimes what we naturally do, especially especially us guys, if we try to see how we play, we try to see the patterns. And then we try to project forward, and we just can't imagine a, a situation where Kieran Tierney's going to play for us. And yes, he could be a smart 45, 50 mil cell to Newcastle, and we do something there. But also, he's a good player. You know, I think sometimes we forget that. And he can play football in different parts of the pitch. Maybe not, his pri- not the thing that we see as his primary skill, but he's a good player. And I think we need people of his experience level played in the league that understand what it's like to go to Stanford Bridge and win and do something and be a major player. I see no qualms with him starting this game. Maybe he may not end it, but that's a different discussion.
1: I, I definitely don't have any qualms with him starting it. I think it does change slightly how we play. I think the interesting thing is... We've seen that without Zinchenko, the left side of the attack doesn't get as much service. We get a little bit more of that right side bias. I do wonder if Tierney plays, who do we, you know, do we let him overlap and we drop someone else in? Do we change our shape? The other thing that's hard is we just don't know, and Mikel doesn't know, how Potter will set up. The one thing Potter has going for him about not knowing his team yet is he hasn't been consistent with lineups or formations or systems yet. So, yeah, Clive?
0: Sorry, mate. I think you're absolutely right about Graham Potter, by the way. Just, just lastly... Tierney can play centrally. You know, he can do it. We don't see it as his primary skill, but he has done it, and his position is narrowing. Mm. And and I think as long as he can distribute the ball smartly out to Martin, that's all that really counts. Where did he score his mm. goal from yesterday? You know, he scored his goal from the D, right? So he's yeah. getting more comfortable in well, these he loves areas. to cut
1: inside with the ball at his feet, no question. Yeah, I'm talking about got- that, standing three yards from party, playing almost like the... A double six,
0: you know. Yeah, well, let's you know, there's, there's different ways to progress the ball, right? If Gabriel progresses the ball like he normally does and he gets it second phase, you want him to be a transition defender mm-hmm. in there, and he's quite yeah. sharp. I, I but also he brings something else there. He brings a diag into our play. Bang, switch. Tom Yasu can't do that off his left foot. Do you know what I'm saying? So there's there are there are pluses and minuses to style, and much like you're going to say about Graham Potter changing his team, which is making us question how Chelsea are going to play. Kieran Tierney playing inside and outside, and we switch in positions. Why can't we do a level of rotation? You know, yeah, I sure. I, mm-hmm. I just think it's it's we shouldn't get fixated on what we think is our only style. And when we miss a player, then we go, oh, well, he's not a f- for the future. No, we just evolve another way. And evolution is what we want to see happen from within the squad, in my opinion.
1: A lot of interesting things in this match to look at, Tim. I, I ultimately think we are as good. as... You know, as they, not as good, we're better than they are. We have to show we can do it away. I think the Aubameyang thing would be an interesting challenge because the one thing we have seen Saliba struggle with, he hasn't struggled with much, but runs, tracking runs sometimes. Does he get turned around? Does he always follow the run just right? Um, you know, Yang, if he still has anything elite left in his game, I still think he makes really intelligent runs. So, you know, keeping an eye on that would certainly be an interesting one. Not having Tomiyasu, I mean, Mason Mount, tricky off the dribble. They have a couple of players that can be tricky off the dribble do do we have that left back? I mean, the, the thing with Tierney is I, I think he can be a good defender 1v1. I think Tomiyasu is stronger at, at dealing with those kind of things. So defensively, it'll be interesting. Going forward, I I trust us to create chances. I really do. I think pressing them can work. And it's just down to showing we can play our game away. I mean, it really is that simple because I think if we play our game, we're better than them. You know, who knows what they will look like by the end of the season. I still tend to think Graham Potter is a pretty talented coach. But I don't think they're where they need to be yet, which is understandable. And and I think if we play our game, we'll be effective. So do you want to just give me sort of your final thoughts on where the battles need to be won and, and what the outcome might be?
2: Yeah, I mean they're they're doing interesting things with their wing backs, right? Uh they're playing like Sterling and Pulisic almost like wing backs. And look, I'm sure that's not what Graham Butter really wants. I don't know whether that's no way, kind no of way. Yeah, whether that's kind of square pegs in round holes or whether he just doesn't trust the different... Like, they're quite old in defence, like Thiago Silva, Koulibaly. I don't understand why they spent all that money on Koulibaly when their biggest... Well, one of their biggest issues is that their best center half's 38 in Thiago Silva. So, like, <laughs> we can definitely move them around, um, around mm-hmm. the back, and that's something that we should we should really target as well. Um, and, you know, in possession as well, like, the, Kante's not really there anymore um injured quite a lot so you know I, I think there are players we can target like they're, they're quite old in their spine like Jorginho uh Aubameyang. They these are players we can move around I think and that's that's got to be our, our our kind of um you know our target obviously around the sides Chelsea are strong like Pulisic Sterling um, you know you got sterling and abamyang running in behind i Mount. tend to think that yeah 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 i tend to think that once they tweak in other areas perhaps get the center mids that potter really wants the full backs he really wants then that i i mean it might be too late for abamyang by then but i think in principle sterling and abamyang running <laughs> in behind in a kind of transitional style could do really well for them. But but you're right, they're not there yet. This for me is just, this is just another opportunity in the season. It does feel like every game feels like this at the moment, Mm -hmm. which which is good, like because we're not going into games thinking, uh, this doesn't really matter that much, like when we're finishing eighth. But yeah, to your point, it's another good opportunity to go and get a really good result at Stamford Bridge and either keep or extend that gap to them in the league, because if we win this game, like it's going to be really hard for Chelsea to catch us um, if we win this game. So, again, for me, this is about at the very least maintaining distance. I will not cry over a draw in this game. I, I think we can win it, but I think a draw acceptable as long as we go and beat Wolves um, next week, which I think we can do. So, I, you know, bring it on. It's just it's just another challenge um, for this group, and they've passed most of them so far this season.
1: Well said. I, I guess I just look at it and I say the teams that have been effective against us and Leeds and Southampton both did it to some extent. They really crowded out the middle and made life difficult for Thomas Party. They were, the distances got wrong. We, we struggled to connect midfield to attack. I just look at Chelsea and I'm like, who's going to shut down Thomas Party in that Chelsea? Maybe Connor Gallagher will get the job, you know, to, to Harry and harass him. It's not going to be Jorginho. You know, he's going to stand there and just want to ping passes 30 yards. Um, Ruben loft his cheek. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know if they have the midfield to take party out of the game. And right now, that that's been really the only proven effective method of shutting us down. So we'll see how that goes. Clive, final final thought on that? We'll get out of here.
0: Yeah, the trick is in our wide men, mate. If we can we can pin their back three into a back five into the in the wide areas. The trick is Sacro Martini. They are they need looking after. And as is already saying, that Chelsea are old at the back. I'm sorry, mate, but our two young 21-year-olds have got dancing feet. They're too fast for them. If you get help from the referees, when they get their first big foul that a card comes out, it's it's over for them. Honestly, it is. Because they can't do what did last you know, that th- No one can ignore, like, Jesus, you know, like you can Lacazette. You can't ignore him neither. So I can't see them covering the three of them, and they're all ready to bring out a performance in my opinion so if you put the emphasis to the game with those three I think we'll be fine but we need the first goal second goal and then let's just sit and watch what they do because um, they're not dumb they've got some smart players they're expensive players and high-wage players so they're used to big games but I think we're going to have a bit more speed in the wide areas to really hurt them
1: yeah yeah it'll be it'll be really fascinating to see and i I'm it's so weird because, again, I don't think of Potter's teams this way, but I could see this being a really stretched game between two teams that want to be in the attacking third, want to have a lot of the ball. The only other game that's this season we've really seen that was Liverpool, and that game got really stretched. So uh could be fun for the dreaded neutral who nobody likes, but I really have a feeling for Jesus in this game. I Again, he's doing all the things right and finishing. Again, it's a skill. But it's also on a continuum. It it ebbs and it flows. He's had a lot of things go against him. I think he's going to have a lot of things go his way uh, against Chelsea. Another point to prove. Win away. Win a big away game. That's really the last thing we have left to show where everybody's just going to have to say, this is this is real. This is absolutely real. To the extent that anybody's doubting it, that's really the last thing to show, and I think we can show it. So let's leave it there. Big game on Sunday. We'll have an instant reaction for that, and then a rewatch of... Both halves, because if it's 5-0 first half, 5-0 second half, to get to the 10-0, how do you pick a half? You watch them both, and we will do that. Uh, so thank you for being here. We love you so much. Enjoy the game wherever you'll be watching. Tim's on Twitter, at Stilberto. Thank you very much, Tim. Thanks very much, and it, and it's no longer Stilberto. It's Stilminator. Sorry, Stilminator, that's right. <laughs> Tim's on Twitter, at Stilminator. That's right. Uh, Clive's on Twitter, at PFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. I am still blockable, at YankeeGunner. Don't forget to do that. We love you so much. So, so much. And we will talk to you after Arsenal 10, Chelsea nil.